0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of Shared Pages, where I, Ronnie, and Ian discuss our book of the month that we picked, and we alternate between me picking and Ian picking, and was an Ian pick?
1: Yeah,
2: we got a little off because we both like collectively chose to read Sarah's. <laughs>
0: yeah, we last we month. collectively chose last month's book of the wall, which was a great book. And if you haven't checked it out yet, please uh please go read it. It was it was very uh, good short fantasy read. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about this uh, month's book. Yeah. So, um, so do you, do you want to take this one? This was your baby. It's
2: up to you. <laughs> <laughs> so we read Magical Mudjars, mm-hmm. which I'm sure my pronunciation is wrong too, but most people say Magyar. Magyar.
0: Uh, I mean, it is spelled M-A-G-Y-A-R-S, and I was really struggling when I was trying to find the pictures of it because I was going off of your pronunciation. Yeah. And I was typing in Magical Mudjars. How do you spell that? And I was, like, not close at all.
2: Um, yeah. It's by David Bailey, and it is a nonfiction it's not really a memoir. I guess it's a collective biography of a soccer
0: team. So now uh, Or
2: of a culture, I guess. Cr-
0: right. It's more than just about a soccer team. But now, cor- correct me if I'm wrong, because, I mean, I might be, but David Bailey is an Englishman. I'm
2: pretty sure he's who English. Who
0: went to Hungary, and he just, like, people...
2: <laughs> I just opened up the back spine to see what his, it says. Single sentence. David Bailey is an Englishman who lives and works in Budapest. Magical Magyars is his first book.
0: Because, because, so he lives in in Budapest, and he he just is such a love of Hungarian culture, and he obviously, being an Englishman, is also a footballer, so he loves yeah. football. So well, and... from talking to people about soccer in Hungary, uh, also, sorry, I'm going to flip between probably saying soccer and football yeah. throughout the episode, that's just what's going to happen.
2: Already, the cats are causing problems. (laughs) I should
0: have moved that. I'll, I'll move the bag. I'll move the bag.
2: I don't know if the mic picked up on that, but Luna picked up a bunch of, or picked up a bag and walked through the background with it. Anyways, um, so David Bailey lives in Budapest, and what he said about writing this was that when you're in Hungary, people talk about and like we're gonna butcher the names, but like Pushka. Seb Cheb, I think maybe is the correct pronunciation. Um, and all these heroes of like the nineteen fifties Hungarian national team, uh like they're like local heroes and they act like you know who they are. But nobody outside of Hungary really knows who they are unless you're like a
0: Huge I mean,
2: football person. Yeah, I didn't know who like, they were before Pushka we read
0: this book. So
2: is is the fourth highest all time scorer ever in soccer.
0: Dang. Yeah. So he's pretty pretty famous <laughs> even just outside of Hungary. Yeah.
2: Like they renamed the national stadium in Budapest. Pushka to,
0: Stadium. Yeah.
2: Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah. yeah okay. Um,
2: but yeah, so I chose it because my father is from Hungary and my grandmother is from Debrecen. Uh which doesn't really make sense because Hungary is the country
1: and that was in the city. My dad's from
2: <laughs> Budapest. Um and it just tells like a pretty concise history of the golden team, the magical mud jars of the fifties, and how they got to be where they were from like
0: nineteen
2: twenty ish on to just after like nineteen sixty.
0: So the full title is Magical Mudgers, the Rise and Fall of the World's Once Greatest Football Team. Because they did, if you look at the back of the book, like uh, in the appendix section or the after section, where it lists like all of their victories, they had like five years where they were undefeated or something like that. It's like 30 consecutive
1: wins.
0: It's insane in the realm of soccer, I feel like. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and then the cover, just really quick, we'll just talk, the cover is is just a picture of the the team, team. of the golden team. I don't know if I could point out who is who, uh, just by looking. I don't know, I don't think I could. Let me see, is it, does anybody have an armband to show that they're the captain?
2: No, this was, like, pre, like, you had captains, but it was, like, pre-showing them on the field. Yeah. And this actually is another thing, like, Hungary, because they were a satellite country of the Soviet Union at the time they didn't wear numbers Mm. on their jerseys to show that they were, like, a part of the collective whole. I
0: remember reading that part, and I was like, I mean, that seems kind of dumb, is what (laughs) I thought when I was reading it, but I was like, okay, sure, you don't have numbers, because I guess you could be like oh, their jersey is number three, and I'm number 17, so, like, I'm less than them or something, but that's not really how jersey numbers work. (laughs) Well,
2: no, I don't think that's what they were getting at. They were getting at that, like, no matter who is on the field and who is playing, you are playing as a unified part of Hungary. And they didn't
0: want, like, the crowd preferring certain players or something. Yeah,
2: like, you know, because they didn't get paid more than other people in Hungary at the time. Um. They did do a lot of smuggling. Um, Yeah, they
0: were really in it. Yeah. But
2: anyways, you know, it starts early on um, in, like, the 20s, and Hungary has a pretty small footballing community, um, and there's not a lot of, like growth happening in the game. It kind of honestly probably was like America in the 90s. Like it was just a sport that we knew existed, but nobody really played it. Or right. if you did play it, it was just like a wreck thing.
0: Right. It wasn't like a big like like um, American football. In and,
1: America.
2: And they have like a lot of uh, players and stuff and teams and they're all kind of local, but nobody really knows where to go from there. And they decide that they need to improve the national teams standing worldwide. So they eventually bring in a man named Jimmy Hogan, who was he English or was he Scottish?
0: Oh, that's a good question. I think he was English, but there was another person that they brought in who was Scottish.
2: Yeah. Um. But anyways, they bring him in to coach the national team. Yeah, English soccer player, I googled it. Jimmy Hogan was an English football player, coach of Irish descent. Uh-huh. He enjoyed some success so as a Scottish. footballer <laughs> reaching the semi FA semi-cup in 07 and 08. Um, but he was an innovative coach across multiple European clubs and national sides. Um, and Hogan brought into the national team this concept of, like, <laughs> it sounds funny, but fitness. You're right. Like, like, and Ronnie thought this was really funny, but when you read the book, he basically tells the Hungarian, the best players in Hungary, that they're, he's like, you're okay, but you'd be a lot better if you uh
0: stop smoking and, drinking, drinking, and drinking and eating, and eating so much goulash yeah. like if and you start all
2: like what just
0: mix a salad in there every once in a while yeah <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> and just like a caveat like we are not experts in hungarian history so we're probably gonna butcher some things but like
0: also for this book being like fairly concise like it's only 250 pages really once you get to the end of the chapters there's, like, a lot that's in there. There's, like, a lot of names that are tossed around. I yeah. I don't really remember a lot of them. There's like, a lot of things that are happening. You, and... If
2: you want to deep dive into this, you need to understand, like, the state of, like, European football and also the state of, like, workers' revolutions from 1917
0: on. Yeah, like, this book goes into everything. It goes into all the political structures of Hungary at the time. It goes into the economic structures of Hungary. It goes into... Just the personal lives of the footballer, so it's it's a lot. Yeah, for this small and, book, and it's not like I mean it is a
2: cohesive story of a team, but it's not like a plot driven thing. So we're probably gonna right. like bounce around. There moment. are certain
0: like sections where it's just like pages and pages talking about like something politically that's happening yeah. and not talking about the footballers at all. Mm-hmm. So.
2: Um, But he introduced general fitness, and also the game was changing. Like, they talk about early on, passing was not a part of the game. And I believe it's the Scottish who are considered to have invented passing because the ball does the work for you. And they talk about, like, the average player had only touched the ball for, like, 10 seconds or something in game. Right. So if you are not in the position where you can get the ball you should be moving to a position where you can get the ball and then pass it on again the ball does the work not the player right like the ball will always get there faster than the player
0: but, right right
2: um but it brings to mind like funny images of just like you get the ball you just run straight until someone takes you out
0: i know when they said they introduced passing i was like i can't even imagine soccer without passing and in my mind, it's like I said like I said, it's like rugby, but you play with your feet instead of your hands and you're you're just all yeah. running in a big group with the kicking the ball. I don't know, yeah. it's weird,
2: but you know so the the team had really it, it, Hungarian soccer grows very competitive from Jimmy Hogan coming into the country and showing players what they could do if they change the style of play there um Al you got anything to add about Jimmy? Good old Jim Jim.
0: Hey, good old Jimmy. No, I think that uh, I don't I don't know how long we wanna spend on each person. But yeah. I feel like that was his he wasn't there for a super long time either, which is interesting cause they continue to mention him throughout the book. Like Hungry, he was only there for, like, a, a year or so, I think, hmm. but, like, Hungary always remembers him, and, yeah. like, and they're like, oh, yeah, we remember he, like, changed the world of football So, each, Hungary, each like... chapter
2: has an epithet, and the first one is when Hungary's football history is told, Jimmy Hogan's name should be written in gold.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, he also said the game boils down to the three Bs, brains, ball, control, and balance. hmm Um...
0: So playing more strategically instead of just brute forcing, which is apparently what soccer was before. Yeah. Again, I find that it's really hard for me to conceptualize what that would look like, because like I played soccer for most of my whole life, honestly. I mean, I don't play it now like professionally, but like I did play it like throughout school growing up. So, like, I always think about, like, all the drills and the tactical moves and the passing and, like, all that kind of stuff. And just to imagine that this stuff wasn't even introduced at the beginning of the conception of the game hmm. is very interesting.
2: Um, but, yeah, you know, he just kind of, like, there's a lot going on in this time period. and I'm trying to figure out how to organize it. But um, one of the things is that, like, the Communist Party is in power in Hungary, so they're all, like we said, working for the, like, good of sport. But also to play for the national team means that, like, you are a representation of Hungary.
0: And so, of the Communist Party, probably, therefore. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um. So, like, they call it professionalism. It hadn't quite happened in Hungary yet. So, like, a lot of um lower, like, club players were, like, playing on this, or, like, really, really good players are playing for small clubs and just absolutely dominating leagues. Um, And then they started to get kind of poached by Italy. Like, players would go to Italy and play, and Hungary was like, we can't have that. Right. Because all of our national talent is leaving to go play in another country.
0: And they're leaving because in Hungary they're, like, I think it said they were paid, like, moderately more than the average man. Like, they could have, like, a nice apartment or whatever in Budapest, right, if yeah. they were a soccer player. But ultimately, they're, like, still living on, like, every man's wages, and a lot of the soccer players were like, why would I stay in Hungary and do that when I could move to Italy and be, like, living like, the a life of fame and affluence?
2: Like, they could... Play, or they could afford to live in Budapest, but they couldn't afford to live in like the ritzy parts where the politicians lived.
0: Oh, yeah, because of course, all the politicians were yeah. like very well paid themselves, yeah. yeah.
2: So at this time, um, the uh, Pushka, who's like the national hero of Hungarian soccer, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Kosciks? Oh,
0: Kosh oh, okay. Is like
2: the other forward, and they're kind of. They have this weird competition where they're both ball hogs, but they're such ball hogs and so competitive with each other, it makes them both better. Mm-hmm. Um, And it really, they start just, like, racking up wins and points for Hungary's national team.
0: Uh, so basically, a point of note for this book is, like, Push- Pushkas is basically, like the center of the team like he is the heart of the team I guess is how you would describe it he is the captain too and he's the main forward and the main scorer and now I did want to ask you this so Pushkas the way that he's described is he's like he's an only child he's kind of spoiled right ever since he grew up his father who was like Pushkas senior doted on him and gave him essentially whatever he wanted and as he grew up he was the coach of, like, his son's team. Say, yeah, yeah. And he essentially was just like, all right, everybody's job. Pass the ball to Pushkas, and don't worry about anything else and, like, give him whatever he wants. And they say that that made him become the man that he was, where he essentially was just like, it's my way or the highway. Yeah, and he, he was, didn't like
2: to defer. He was
0: good enough of a player that he, like, could essentially do that. But he was also known as being, like, very belligerent and foul-mouthed and Mm. just, like, kind of an asshole, honestly. But he, like, loved his teammates. Like, he would fight for his teammates if anything ever happened to them. It's talked about... But he also would, like, bungle things, like, if he was meeting a politician or, like, talking to, like, a professional, he would, like, a lot of times ruin something for the team because he just was, like, saying whatever he wanted. Mm. So getting around to the question I was going to ask you is, do you think that Pushkas is a likable person?
2: They actually say, like, I was doing reading about him later, that he was more likable later in life.
0: It does seem like reading the book, he kind of mellows out with age. Like, once yeah. he hits, like, his late 20s or his 30s in the mm-hmm. book, he's, like, starting to kind of realize, like, okay, I can't just be a complete well, dick all the time. And this is something
2: that happens early on before we get to... There's, like, four big matches this book talks about.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and at one point, what happens is, like, there's all these, like, local... Teams that are, like, union teams, you know? Like, Vashas is the metalworking union. And all these players play for these different teams. And the government comes in and makes, like, government teams. And I think it's Hanved or Anved. Yeah,
0: it's, like, is, the police team. Is
2: like, the military team.
0: Yeah, the military team. So, like,
2: I think Pushkas, like, if you play for them, you have a military rank. And he right. becomes, like, a major.
0: I th- I think that's right.
2: Hold for fire truck.
0: Yeah, so I think I think they said to like appease him, they gave him like a military rank because like all of the essentially they had to all be privates yeah. in the army, and then Pushka's like didn't like being ordered around, so they're like, all right, fine, you're a fucking lieutenant, you yeah. tell them what to do or yeah. something, like, because um. he was just that like good at the game that they just kind of kept giving him whatever he, he wanted. Yeah,
2: he kind like, of held the country in the pol- the, pol- the politics of the game hostage. Um but uh he so like there's like a lot of like bad blood in the country at this time because not only is like the average worker fighting for survival, but they are like local be- like, favorite team is being taken over by the government and changed names and stuff. And if you look at the top-tier Hungarian soccer league now, a lot of the teams have gone back to their original names, but then these other government teams like, still exist. Like, Honvéd mm. is still a team.
0: Interesting.
2: Um, But so is, like, think... Ferenc Baros.
0: I mean, it seemed like, from the book, um, that... <laughs> See, sorry, Luna tried to jump up on my lap and then decided no. Uh, It seemed like the Hungarian people really, like, Hated the Communist Party, which they like from the sounds of it, like that is definitely a fair uh, argument that yeah. they had because it was like communism, but it was like more Stalinism than communism, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it was pretty horrible. So I'm surprised that they like kept the names of those teams that were created by the Communist Party at that time,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, but essentially, they build this incredible team, they've gone on an insane run of wins. And they end up being invited to be the first team to play from outside of behind the Iron Curtain in England um, in 1953. So they go to England, and I think they play in Wembley?
0: Uh, I can't remember where they go. Like,
2: they travel around for a while, and they play, like, Italy, and then they play, like, Moscow Dynamo, which was, like, you know, the communist team. Right. Um, And they win all these games. So then they go to England to play, and England is, like, the self-proclaimed king of Football all the time, and they're like, We're easily gonna beat this unknown team. We don't even know these people's names because they can't get behind the iron curtain to like see it and learn about them. And the cool thing of note is like, This is unknown, but in the book, they show like the flyer and like tickets for the game, and they don't use the Hungarian or they don't use the sickle and hammer flag of Hungary at the time,
1: mm. they
2: use the Kof- Kossuth cautious. Kossuth? Uh, coat of arms, which is, like, the ancestral flag. That's, like, what you see on a Hungarian flag nowadays. And people are, like, we don't know if that was an oversight or if, like, the English government was, like, oh, fuck communism. Fuck you
0: guys. Fuck communism, yeah. Um,
2: but yeah, so Hungary goes into England, and they win... I'm trying to remember what they win by. Um... I think it was three
0: zero. 0 like again, this book has so, so many games much. that it talks about, and it lists the scores of all of them. I, I'm definitely not going to remember the exact because game I'm pretty of all sure
2: the second game, which happens in
1: Budapest,
0: all you need to know is they mostly win every single game. The only games that they lose are usually the ones that are non international or non like they don't count towards.
2: Or, well, until the team kind of starts to implode. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, um. They beat England in England, which is a huge deal. Mm Because nobody is really beating England at the time. And England is, you know, piss. Right. So they're like, but also impressed. And they're like, alright, can we, maybe we just have like an off day, let's play again soon. Mm -hmm. So they um, offer to uh, play again in Budapest this time. And... so Hungary also, at this time, doesn't have a national stadium. So they're like, shit, we got to build, like, the oh, best yeah. stadium I in Europe. I thought that was
0: hilarious that they were like, we're going to build this stadium. And then they were like, it's going to be done in, like, three months. And then they were like, never mind, it's going to be done in, like, six months. And then they were yeah. like, never mind, it's going to be done in a year. And then, like, apparently we're getting made fun of for it. But because it was being, like, built by the Communist Party and people were getting paid, like, such poverty wages that they just didn't there care. There was no incentive. They didn't care to build the stadium because they're like whether I do well or not, like I'm still going to be in poverty, so why should I try? So it just like took so long to get this stadium built and I was like, "Oh man."
2: Yeah. Um um Okay, I'm looking. It looks like it's 3-6 to 1953 game in England ends. All right. Um so then they go to Hungary and they get absolutely annihilated in Budapest. I think it's seven one.
0: Yeah, it was by a lot.
2: Yeah. Um. So you know, so England has just like been <laughs> there, like sit down. Yeah. Hungry. Um. In the Nepstadion Budapest, which has since been renamed uh, Pushka Stadium. Yeah. No. Se- yeah. Seven one at the final whistle.
0: Dang. And some of these game scores, I'm like, if you saw a game like that nowadays, you'd be like, wow, that's like a really high scoring game, but they have a lot of games like that in their history where it's just like, I mean, some of them were like friendly matches where they like, they they won by like 13 to one. And I feel like they let them score that one goal so that they, the other team didn't feel so bad about losing to Hungary by that much. But like, still, I was like, damn, that's like 13 goals in a game. That's Mm -hmm. a lot.
2: So you know this this puts like the world on notice mm-hmm. about this team being absolutely incredible. So they then go to the um, Olympics,
1: mm-hmm.
2: which is in, uh,
1: in Brazil, I don't remember.
2: but they they play Brazil for sure because it's known as the Battle of the Burn, and it's like they I think it's a quarterfinal and it's incredibly violent, like. No one really knows when it starts, but every player who is like, alive and interviewed, they're like, yeah, people were just like throwing elbows. There's like, fistfights breaking out. Um, I don't think anyone was sent off because the referee was like, I don't know what to do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, the ref was like, I'm just not getting in the middle of that. But <laughs> they
2: they talk about uh, after the game, which Hungry won, they're walking down the tunnel, and Hungry claims... That one of the Brazilian players had like one of his cleats on his hand. And came up and then smashed him in like the face. one of the Hungarian right. players in the face with a cleat. Yeah. And then like it's so Which it, that
0: would freaking hurt. Yeah.
2: So in this dark tunnel, Hungary just starts they just a full on brawl happens. Yeah. And the football association is like, Don't do it again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys. How about we don't do this? Yeah. yeah. Um
2: But Hungary goes on to win the Olympics.
0: Um, and that's cool they have like some pictures of the team and stuff in the book and I liked looking at that that kind of stuff yeah yeah cool I'm just see you getting to that part um and I also feel like it should be noted that like all while all of the soccer stuff is happening they're just dealing with like all of the political unrest and stuff that's going on in Hungary. like there's so much stuff that's happening and like so like so many regime changes, I guess. Like, so many changes of leadership because, like, Soviet Russia is like, oh, you're not, like, doing a good enough job to, like, make this, like, Stalinism or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, um, was it. What, it wasn't Brazil. Who did they play the one time that was, like, the other communist country that, like, broke away Yugoslavia.
2: Yugoslavia. Titoism.
0: Yeah, Titoism. They, like, broke away, and then, like, Soviet Russia was like, you have to win this because, like, you... Like, for to the Hungarians. Because, yeah. like, you gotta represent Cause... that Stalinism is better than Titoism yeah. or something. Yeah, like, the leader
2: of Yugoslavia at the time had basically said, like, I'm not... Like, we're communists, but we're not, like, like... Russian communists, Mm -hmm. or Soviet communists. Yeah. We're gonna make our own brand, and, like, basically, they couldn't, Stalin, like, couldn't assassinate this guy, and also couldn't, like, invade the country for whatever reason, so they just had to deal with Yugoslavia doing its thing.
0: But yeah, so basically the whole book, it's talking about how these footballers are, like, doing this, right? Like, going through the Olympics, like, beating these teams, and, like, just being, like, amazing. But at the same time, they're dealing with, like, they're, like, you mentioned earlier, like, the smuggling. That was earlier on, like, when the Iron Curtain was initially, like, coming down. And they, as, like, footballers, got permission to, like, essentially bring stuff back as long as they could carry it or something like that. And they would, like, bring stuff, like, you know, like, luxury goods, like, chocolates or whatever from other countries. But I thought it was so funny the one section was, like, the one player brought, like, machine parts, factory yeah. parts back and, like, uh, the coach tried to, like, pick up the suitcase and was like, what the heck do you have in here? Because he couldn't even lift it because yeah. it was just too heavy. So, like, these footballers are essentially setting up this, like, illegal smuggling ring to bring in not only, like, like the luxury goods, like I said, from abroad because yeah, they don't like get them, but, like, necessary things that, like, stockings. they would need. Yeah. Um... That they are not allowed to get because the communists are like, no, we don't interact with other countries. Mm. So I just found that like, so that was probably the most interesting thing about the book to me is that these guys could continue to focus on football when all of that stuff was happening at the same time.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, But anyway, sorry to interrupt. So they beat Brazil, then they go on. They
2: win the Olympics. They win the
0: Olympics. And then...
2: Then the World Cup comes up. Yes. And Hungary plays through the World Cup and they make it all the way to the final against West Germany.
1: Mm-hmm. Who they have
2: already beaten on the way to the final. Except that um West Germany uh, the first time they played them, this is like the ever-evolving strategy of football. Which I don't think people who don't like soccer appreciate enough is like how tactical it is. Like you know, like, the the play calling in American football matters, but, like, one good player can really, like, can just break a play down. Right. Like, you know, if your tactics are off in soccer and your players can't adjust on the fly, you're just going to get thrashed.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um. So what had happened was, like, the West Germans were like, we don't need to necessarily win this game, and we don't want them to know how good our team is currently. So we're going to play, like, a mixture of our, like, B and C team here and rest our best team for later when we need them. So then when Hungry finally plays them again, it's, like, an absolute hard-fought battle. Yeah. yeah. And I believe this is where Pushka had a hairline fracture in his ankle. I think so. So he was, like, they didn't know if he was going to play or not, and he basically forced himself to play. He
0: He played through it. Yeah. yeah. Which is like I mean that would freaking hurt, especially in the ankle. But like it's a hairline fracture, I've probably also played through, like definitely some broken toes yeah. in soccer before. Um, but still, it's impressive.
2: Yeah. Um. But uh, it's it's two two or three two in like the final minutes, and um, there's a player named Shizbor. Shizbor. Who misses an open goal, um, and then, uh, eventually, Pushka shoots and scores in the final minutes, and the Hungary will I forever believe and stand for this. I believe, um, that they claimed that the West Germans influenced the referee's decision and decided to call it offsides,
1: Mm. um,
2: which makes the game end three two for West Germany, um, and you know like. Hungry is it was expected to win. Everyone's like mind blown. People in Budapest don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. The players are supposed to get like huge amounts of money for this win and go on like a national tour. Right. Um, basically no, it's just like absolute heartbreak. Right. Um and there's like theories that the refereeing for this game was fixed because the West didn't want teams from behind the Iron Curtain to, to be win. able to win.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, like this. So again, like I was saying, uh, people that say like politics don't belong in sports. Politics have literally been in sports, especially football, for like so long. Yeah, like it's it's so ingrained. There's a
2: famous uh Hungarian color commentator whose name was George Georgi Szepesi, and he says, "The end, my dear listeners. The end. The end. We need to accept second place." It was a very sporting match. We were leading 2-0, and from our grasp, we gave away victory. These things happen from time to time. It's the end of the match. The West Germans are world champions, dear listener. Believe me, it's difficult for me to even speak. I cannot find the words. but We have to acknowledge that the West German team won fairly. They are worthy victors. What is true is true. We lost that match. West German team won 3-2. They won the World Cup. For four years, we were unbeaten, and now we've lost.
0: Yeah, and so it's just absolutely heartbreaking to this Hungarian team that had, like, fought for so hard. And, like, part of the reason they had such sway, even in their communist country, is because they, like, continued to win. So this being, like, a really big loss for them. Like you said, they were supposed to get all this money, they were supposed to go on a tour, and then, like, they lose. And so,
2: basically, the country turns on them. Not only the government, but, like, the common people because the common people are thinking like, okay, these players are getting more money than us. They're smuggling stuff in. They're driving like, I don't even know what the famous car has been there. Like don't know. Porsches.
1: Yeah. Maserati. Um, I do um, <laughs> Which know. like, you
2: know, other people in Hungary couldn't even hope to afford or get their hands on. But they were willing to look the other way as long as they were winning. And, and so people start to like whisper that Hungary like lost the match on purpose for like government favors. Right. So like Basically, on the way back to Budapest, the government, like, reroutes their train and is like, you can't go home right now. Like, these Mm -hmm. people are gonna come after you. They're gonna,
0: like, try and actually murder you. Yeah. Right.
2: Um, And this all leads up to the 1956 student revolution in Hungary, which this book posits, like, wouldn't have happened if Hungary won the World Cup.
0: Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. But I Um, thought that was interesting. Like, really, this one game, like...
2: Because it, like... It, like, uh, you know, Chevs, who is the head of, like, the Hungarian Football Association, essentially,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, basically looks at what happened and goes, and he's like, they call him, like, an old commie. Like, he was, like, an, an old style communist. Mm-hmm. And he, like, purges the ranks of the party, then,
1: mm-hmm. like,
2: of the soccer foundation, and starts, uh,. Like, trying to rebuild for the next World Cup. Um, and s- basically, you know, Hungary, or Budapest, basically decides we've had enough of Stalin being in our country, in our city. And the students organize, and they build up, like, take 10,000 people, and they drive out the Soviet forces in Budapest at the time. And they actually rip down the Hungarian flags. They have the sickle and hammer on them. And they rip out the, they cut out the middle, the sickle and hammer, and hang the flags back up. Right. Which is why if you, like, look for, like, merchandise that's, like, a Hungarian shirt, it will often have just a black hole in the center of the Mm -hmm. shirt.
0: Which is pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, and essentially, a man named Emir Naj takes over the country.
0: Mm
2: hmm. Um, and more or less, like, the Soviet Union comes back with tanks and just, like, takes the city back by force. Yeah. Um, And, uh, like, there's a lot of, like, stupid... This is, like, partially unorganized leadership, but, like, one of the major, like, Hungarian wartime leaders is, like, they're like, we want to have, like, a discussion for, like, a truce. And then, like, he goes out there and they just, like, abduct him. And then Amir Naj flees to the Turkish embassy? An embassy. And he, um, is said like...
0: I feel like it was Vienna. They mention Vienna a lot in well, this, this book, but, th- yeah.
2: If you are in Vienna and you say Budapest is the most beautiful city in Europe, uh huh, people are going to throw hands. Right. If you're in Budapest and you say Vienna is the most beautiful <laughs> city in Europe, people are going to throw hands.
0: Right. But I just feel yeah. like the players go to Vienna yeah, a lot. Like, everybody's like a- going back and forth to Vienna, because like it a- must be a...
2: Very, very short train ride. Right,
0: right, right. Yeah.
2: Um, But, uh... Amir Naj is hiding out in the embassy and he is guaranteed safe passage. And then when he comes out, they kidnap him and they have like a faux trial and they murder him and they describe as they bury him face down in an unmarked grave. Mm hmm. Um. And this whole time, the H- Hungarian national team is like coming back into they're like the oh, city, fuck. <laughs> and people are like they're like debating whether they should go back, but like they're like we have to go back and get our family, family. and yeah. then some of them even start like like hiding out weapons for the rebels. Yeah, so
0: there was there's two. I think it's scissor bar there's like shizbor shizbor yeah i don't know if I'm, I'm sorry that right yeah i'm really bad at pronouncing hungarian names shizbor is like one of the four words right and he comes back with the team and is like give me a fucking gun and he goes out on the front lines <laughs> and he's like fighting with the people against the communists and then i think it's gross sick the yeah, maybe the goalie um, he's like, okay, I want to support you guys, like, the rebellion, but, like, I don't want to go all out on the street like that, so I'll just hide your weapons in my yeah, basement, Yeah, like, he basically. watches from his
2: apartment window, and they say. And
0: the rest of the soccer team follows the ordinance from the Communist Party to just go home and stay inside. Yeah, yeah. So those two are the only two that actively get involved.
2: Um, But, you know, so eventually the Soviet Union retakes control of Budapest
0: and I did want to note, though, I thought it was badass of the the people in the rebellion. They said it was like, it was like guerrilla warfare, right? Yeah. And they said that what they would do is they would put something in the middle of the road, like a trash can lid or something that looked like an anti-tank weapon to stop the tanks. And then they would, like, firebomb the tanks. And then they would take the tanks and, like, use it against the Soviets. And I was like, yo, that's pretty badass. Um... Um anyway, so all this is happening in the midst of this soccer team yeah. returning to their country after losing the World Cup. Um and you know
2: from then on, the team never like fully regains. Yeah, they its, don't like, really glory. come back from that. Um, but what happens is a lot of them end up defecting, especially the mm-hmm. big names like Pushka mm-hmm. and Sizbor, I think. So they go and play for it's 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 a thing because he pushka ends up playing for uh real Real madrid Madrid. which was formed by franco and like the fascist team yeah and you know barcelona was fighting in the catalans
0: against him and Mm -hmm. i think cis plays for them them. i did think that was really funny because even before the game made that comparison i was thinking huh it's kind of funny how Pushkas, who was like the darling of this communist party and always kind of did what they wanted even if he like was kind of, he was kind of, like, a smartass about it, but he always did what they asked, you yeah. know? He ended up playing for the, the fascist team in Spain, and then sisbor who was, like, against, like, adamantly and strongly outspoken against the Communist Party, ended up playing for, like, the essentially freedom fighters of the Spanish teams mm. uh, for Barcelona.
2: Well, and they, you know, the... The news in Hungary about him and any player that defects was not like, oh, they're living a good life. They're like, they're poor and distraught and they want to come
0: back to Hungary and we won't let them. Um, But I feel like also a lot of Hungarians had this, like, they always referred to him as like greedy pushkas, right? Yeah. Because they always, even before he defected, they were always like, he's just asking for like a lot of money. So it mentions in the book that, like, sometimes, like, Hungarian refugees would come to Spain and, like, find Pushkas and be like, yo, give me money, because, yeah, like, I know your rich cousin, like, even if they weren't cousins, yeah. like, they'd be like, Pushkas, give me money. And
2: he would always be like, okay.
0: And he would always, like, they said he would literally give, like, the clothes off his back if yeah. that was all that he had, because he didn't have that much money at the time. Yeah. But he would still, well, like... and
2: he had trouble finding a team, partially because when he defected, he had, like, a two-year ban by the Football Association.
0: Yeah. And
2: then, like, he was always a bigger guy. Mm -hmm. And then, like, in that two-year time period, he had gained more weight. So, like, I think Manchester United didn't want to sign him because they were worried about his fitness and he was in his 30s. And then finally Madrid signed him and he ended up just being, like, a superstar for them because Franco wanted to make Real Madrid like, the best team in Europe to prove that, like, his Spanish dictatorship was strong. Was
0: legitimate or whatever, um, And they yeah. won, like,
2: the, the... I don't know if it was the Champions League at the time, but they won, like, the European title, like, five times in a row.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, you know, eventually, he does, like, get back in the fit, like, form and like, you know, is, like, an absolute powerhouse in Europe for years and years and years. But he says, like, I didn't leave Hungary, I just didn't go back.
0: Yeah. And well, well, he does end up going back eventually. He called, like, he,
2: yeah, he actually coached the team again, like the the national team, in like the eighties.
0: Yeah, he has, he does end up going back once the country is kind of like yeah, forgot, like, forgiven and forgotten, or a, a little bit or something. There's
2: a quote here where Pushka sees a player named Souza, and he says, "Fucking hell, Souza! You look at the size of your guy. Have you swallowed a football?" And then he replies, you can talk. Yours looks like you're carrying twins.
0: Yeah, because they come back for, like, a reunion yeah. game or they something. Play it, like, they play, like, England again. And it's just them, like...
2: But they're all, like, old.
0: They're then. all old, but it's, like, kind of, like, a fun reunion thing where they're just kind of reminiscing over their time in the yeah. country and stuff like that. Um... But yeah, it's honestly the end of the the book. I feel like is kind of like anticlimactic because it's like, and then like the, it was like the team just kind of petered out yeah. and as they were captured that like golden glory that they used they to had, have in the.
2: They had a run last year where they went really deep, and then they kind of have failed to regain that form again, mm. which is like what a lot of people are watching. Um, and I mean, like I could get into like discussions of modern soccer forever
0: yeah um but uh, I mean, this is the time I would assume, because yeah. soccer based book, <laughs> yeah
2: but also like u s a is a world cup qualifier tonight, <laughs> true um, but what you know like i don't know I don't know how to wrap this up necessarily because it's not there's not an end, it's just like still going, like the national team is attempting to become more powerful or a better
1: team.
0: Uh, I don't know, did you feel like there was any uh, sections of note that we missed from the book? So, it's, it's weird, because this doesn't feel as long as our usual episodes, but like like I said, there's so much in the book, like, I don't even could, know what to focus on. We could
2: almost like... do an episode on just the sport, and an episode on just politics in the country at the time.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: My favorite story is that, like, about Pushka at least, was that he... When they would go abroad to play, they had, like, secret police who would accompany them. And they knew the secret police were there. Mm-hmm. But then they had secret secret police designed to follow them around in case any of them defected.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And Pushko would make, like, a game of it, which is actually horrifying, probably all of his teammates. But he would disappear, and everyone would be like, where the fuck is he? And then he would show <laughs> up, like, five minutes before they had to get on the train. Yeah. And he'd be like, look at you dumbasses. I bet you thought I defected, Did not, didn't you? Yep.
1: Oh,
0: man. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, like I said, it is really interesting because, like, this book was about the Hungarian football team, but I feel like a majority of the time was actually spent talking about the politics in Hungary, less about the team itself, necessarily. Um, and I just, like, the part where they all kind of start defecting, when they realize, like, okay, Hungary's really, like, not coming out of this, kind of, and they're like, we need to essentially get out of there. And there's, like, the stories of how some of the team members are like, okay, but, like, I want to go back to Hungary because that's, like, my country. And all their wives are like, okay, but no, we're not. We're staying in Italy and we're bringing our kids here and we're going to live, like, a better life by doing that, yeah. you know? Um, um,
2: and then, like, well, actually a lot of the players who didn't go back found out that, like, once, like, the other players who did go back all got, like, suspended sentences from the government and were not, like, in trouble for a long period of time.
0: Yeah, well, and, like, because Pushkas' best friend, who we didn't really talk about that much in the book, yeah. but Bo... Bozics? Yeah,
2: like, Bozik Shix- Bozik's Bo- yeah. Is that
0: how you say his name? He's, like, so Pushkas is, like, the loud, flamboyant, like, out there, kind of rude, smartass one, right? And then Boschik's is, like, his, like, foil. Yeah. Like, he's, like, the even-tempered, like, nice guy, kind of tends to listen better and, like, take direction. He ends up going back when, like, nobody else does. I think it's, like, him and, like, one other person go back, right? Like, the rest of the team defects to, like, Italy or Spain or something. Mm -hmm. And they say when Boschik goes back, though, they're like, all right, you're never playing on the national team again. Like, we'll let you be a coach, but, like, you can't, like, you're not going to make a lot of money. And then when, like, Pushkas, like, sees him, he's, like, underweight, like, pale, yeah. like, not take, like not well taken care of at all. But he's, like, hey, I mean, my wife loves Hungary and, like, I had to go back kind of guy is, like, what Bosik's fate was. Yeah. Actually, um,
2: this reminds me of early on in the building up of Hungarian football, one player, they're like, man, this guy's incredible, but he can't finish a game. Like, he can't do the full 90. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, well, well, take him to a doctor. So the government, like, pays for him to get a medical checkup, they're no, like, he's anemic.
0: Yeah, I thought that was funny, like, too, where they're like, playing. man, he's such a great player, but he always gets, like, tired in the second half. And then all, it turns out all they needed to do was take him to a doctor, and they're like, oh, you're anemic, that's why. Yeah, <laughs> like, It's so funny to think about how, like, back in the day they might not have taken footballers to, like, get doctor. get yeah. doctor checkups. And even though these are, like, professional sportsmen, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's so different then versus now and kind of seeing that in this book for how they they organize that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. Um, um, but I guess that's really not all there is, but that's, like, what we... I guess it's it's almost like an off the top of the head, like, what did we get out of an initial yeah. reading on this?
0: I mean, um, like you said, you really could take a deep dive and talk, because there's, like, so many characters that we didn't even talk, not even characters, but yeah. there's, like, so many people, people we didn't even talk about that were in this book. Like, there's that Goopman guy who keeps coming up, and then there's, like, uh, like the Farkas or whatever, like, the head of the army yeah, that, yeah. like, bought the team. Like, there's so many people that were, like, involved and had their hands in this national team that I'm sure is not exclusive to this Hungarian team at this time, I'm sure this is just how football politics are constantly, like, worldwide, I assume, for every team. But it's just such a big web for this yeah. team. Like, I don't even know how to wrap it up, or, like, what... We can't even be, like, oh, we missed this kind of thing. So, let me ask
2: you this. Like, as someone... Because I've read this. I've mm-hmm. read A Concise History of Hungary by Miklós mm-hmm. Um, And I've watched a lot of, like, Hungarian history videos and stuff. As someone who knows... I, I'm assuming you know very little Hungarian history. Yeah, really know. Um, I know. How, like, easy was this book to understand?
0: I feel like it was pretty easy, because, like, I mean, I, I also have, like, a pretty good understanding of, like, Soviet Russia, because I did live in Kyrgyzstan, and they were also, like, a yeah. Soviet country, so I kind of already knew the politics of all that kind of stuff, from reading, like from reading this, it wasn't super confusing because I was like, "Oh, I know that name. I know that name." Like yeah. po- the political leaders at the time and stuff. I already knew who they were. Um, and the way that it's written is like it's 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 pretty it's, easy like, to read. Very accessible because yeah. like
2: we said, David Bailey said like I was living in Hungary and no one knew who these people were, so I went back and I was like, "I'm gonna find a book about them and translate it into English for people outside of uh East Europe to read." Except that there was no books that weren't they didn't just assume you knew who they were. Right. So he had the right this to teach people about them.
0: And I will say, just as like a like a point of note, when we were looking at this book and I was looking at like reviews and stuff, there were people that said that some of the things in this book might not be historically accurate. Like David Bailey is not necessarily a historian. He's more of like just a fan of Hungary and soccer. And so he kind of wrote this more as, like, a passion project, it feels yeah. like, than as, like, a, like, not, like, a scholarly source. So just take that, bear that in mind if you're going to dive into this yourself. Um, where, like, we did see people saying, like, oh, that's, like, not necessarily 100% historically accurate that he included such and such yeah. in the book. I'm um, looking at the
2: back of the book right now because this was published by a a, a house called Pitch Publishing, which I'm assuming is like exists to publish books about the sport. Soccer,
0: yeah, I'm assuming. But it says
2: tweet about this book to at Pitch Publishing and at David Bailey using hashtag magical mud jars. So maybe we'll tag him in the post when the episode goes up and oh. be like, Hey, what do you think about our episode? Yeah. David.
0: <laughs> David. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, overall I think it's a pretty accessible book and if you have a vested interest in Hungarian history as well as Hungarian football history, uh, I think this would definitely be the book for you. Um, like, for me, if I'm giving this, like, I guess we'll just wrap up with, like, recommendations and personal scores. If I'm giving this, like, for my own enjoyment, I probably would give it, like, a 2 out of 5, or 2 out of, well, wait, I usually do out of 10. I would give it, like, a 4 out of 10, because, like, it's not something that I'm especially like, I like, I like soccer, I like football, you know, like, I'm, I'm not looking to like learn about that necessarily though but as far as like the book readability and everything it probably would get like a seven out of ten or something like that because it's like it's easy to read it's very accessible if you wanted to like get into the beginning of hungarian football history and then like use this book to like look up other people from it and do a more deep dive i think this would be a good starting point
2: yeah Um, um for me like it's like a three out of five. But only because I don't have another book that I could read and compare how accurate they are to each other. Right. Um, Like, I read, like I said, A Concise History of Hungary, but that's a Cambridge book that covers, like, Hungary from, like... Hundreds like, of years. Like, a, th- like a thousand uh, AD uh-huh. to now. Like, and what it,
0: this is, like, a... T- 20 30 year period yeah, yeah. probably that it covers for hungary like for, and specifically in depth football. and then at the
2: end like it just kind of skips forward to things. yeah
0: it kind of skips forward um, to the end yeah
2: but yeah i think it's for me like i have a vested interest in hungarian culture and soccer because right. i'm like the first member of my family born here um and for me also like you know like u.s is my first team hungary is my second team
0: yeah and
2: then like france is like a distant third because i speak the language really well.
0: And you just you just like French culture yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Uh,
2: also just like the name for the French team Lequip is so good. Le Quip. Like the equipment. Oh <laughs> but it's not like it's not equipment. I thought just, of
0: equip like, you know, making a yeah, like, like, like witty remark yeah, type thing.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah I mean I enjoyed it. If you are looking for like Hungarian culture, I recommend this and uh uh, a Concise History of Hungary. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was our first nonfiction book that we did on this, so...
0: Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It was... uh I kind of wish... Like, if I if I had a wish, I wish they had spent more time on the characters... Per- not the character. I keep saying characters. On the... People. People's personal lives. Like, I want to know more about, like, the other members of the team's personal lives and less about, like, the political situation. But I, f- I understand that that is important for... We're knowing what was going on with the team in relation to the World Cup at that time. So So.
2: uh, what is your next month's pick?
0: So next month, we're going to be reading Wilder Girls by Rory Power, I think. And it is a uh,
2: complete 180 from the book <laughs> we just read.
0: It's a, it's a, it's, it definitely is. Yeah, it's a, it's a hor- horror.
2: <laughs> I <Like> think it's horrible.
0: <laughs> it's, no, it's like a young adult horror novel. It's about a virus and quarantining, so it might be too uh, little too little close to relatable. home for some people. But I specifically picked it because I wanted to start picking more LGBTQA plus books. And the main character of this book is a lesbian and, uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I haven't read it yet, but there's like a romance with another female character in it. So that's why I picked it. But it also sounded interesting. So it's about um, this boarding school in Maine and there's like some sort of virus that's happening and they end up quarantining there and they're kind of like just isolated from everybody and dealing with that. But I've heard it's like... Some parts might actually be like pretty graphic yeah. in in the book, so just be prepared for that. But that's my pick for next month: the *Wilder Girls* by Rory Power. So I look forward to reading it, and I hope you guys read along with us. Um, let us know what you think. And yeah, we'll see you next month.
2: Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter if you're interested in reading along. We try to tweet like once or twice a week about the book, or anytime we have something to say about what we're reading. Right. So that's at Shared Pages Pod um and you can follow ronnie at rare ronnie
0: yep and i'm
2: at mad radian
0: yep and until next time and we'll see you guys next time